Welcome to the Impact of Educational Leadership Podcast with ID3 for Isaiah Drone III. Welcome to another Impactful Night of the Impact of Educational Leadership. This is episode 64. I'm your host, ID3 for Isaiah Drone III. Tonight's panelists are Buddy Thornton, Jen Bolay, and Rick Bolay. Ladies and gentlemen, please say hello to the people. It is an honor to be here with these esteemed guests. (laughs) Awesome, awesome, awesome. You know, we were just talking before the podcast started about, you know, we've, we have been experiencing many, many loss, many tragic loss, family members, loved ones, you name it. And so at a time like this, we must ask ourselves the question, how do we forgive a family member, a friend, or someone who repeatedly lets you down? As we have been hard pressed into a new age, we find ourselves in a phantasm of emotions and feelings. Feelings of concern or sadness for the needy, the distress, those, those pains of guilt may follow a failure to act pro-socially or anti-pro-socially. You know, pro-social behavior is not habitual, habitually established solely on logic or understanding or reasoning. It is a number of emotions that are critical antecedents of self-sacrifice. We will need to reestablish intervention practices that are instrumental in improving family, school, even religious institutions, that's right, neighborhoods, and peer interactions necessary for our youth, necessary for our youth to develop positively so they can be socially interactive. Tonight we will have a discussion. How do we forgive and move forward in the future? There's a quote from a book by Ogmandingo called The Greatest Salesman in the World. And I read this book a lot because it helps rewire me to move positively in in my working environment, in my workplace. So I'm gonna read just a small excerpt out of his book. And it says, it reads, I will greet this day with love in my heart. And how will I do this? Henceforth, I will look on all things with love and I will be born again. I will love the sun for it warms my bones. Yet I will love the rain for it cleanses my spirit. I will love the light for it shows me the way. 
yet I will love the darkness for it shows me the stars. I will welcome happiness for it enlarges my heart, yet I will endure sadness for it opens my soul. I will acknowledge rewards for they are my due, yet I will welcome obstacles for they are my challenge. I will greet this day with love in my heart. With that being said, I want to uh, pull on my uh, first panelist here, and I'm so excited to have him back. He is uh, one of our favorites here, and that is uh, Buddy Thornton. Please say hello again to the people, sir. Hi. Hello, everybody, and it's an honor to be here. I, I always enjoy all the interactions we have on the Impact Podcast. Well, we thank you, sir. And please just tell the listener audience a little bit about yourself and what you're doing before we get started into this uh, discussion, please. Well, uh, I'm a great-grandfather, a grandfather, uh, obviously a husband of 47 years. have a very, very wonderful family. <clears throat> I got my start in education with a uh, Bachelor of Science in Allied Health Sciences and a Master's in Human Services Counseling. And I'm currently completing my doctoral studies at Grand Canyon University in conflict management and cross-cultural competency. Uh, I'm the owner of BCT Mediations Plus. Uh, this business has been open for more than eight years, A-plus rating on the BBB. And we focus on mitigating conflict, of course. Mediation is obviously in our name. But I focus on uh, parent coaching and being branded as a positive social change agent pro because I believe that when you uplift people and you give them the skill set to uplift themselves, you can do nothing but to better society. Absolutely, absolutely. And thank you for that response. You know, we're in a pandemic, a pandemic called COVID-19. And this pandemic still, you know, it's uncertain even though they have vaccines that they are developing as we speak. And so, you know, with that being said, the, the communication flow, with, with all the pressure that's behind uh, everything going on in the world, whether it be politics, whether it be uh, money, economic status, you name it, uh, job loss, families are, are, are under a lot of pressure. And so words can be exchanged uh, from emotions. You know, things can be said that you didn't really mean to say it or it came out the wrong way. And so my question to you, buddy, since you are the positive social change agent pro, uh, how do you, how do you forgive a family member? How do you forgive a friend? How, how do you forgive someone who repeatedly lets you down? How do you forgive them and how do you move forward? That's my question. You know, the uh, most powerful thing about forgiveness <clears throat> is you must start the forgiveness cycle by looking within yourself. Forgiveness is not for the other person. You have to understand that regardless of whether they meant what they said or it was uh, just a excited exclamation, whatever upsets you, what you have to understand is that you don't want there to be an anchor to that pain. You don't want to have 
an issue with binding up the conflict that is more than likely going to be fleeting. It's going to be something that by tomorrow should be forgotten. In a normal situation, even with the COVID-19 situation, there's a lot of interaction and heightened stress, but that doesn't excuse humanity from not understanding what forgiveness should be. And so you have to look within yourself and you have to be willing to say, I do not want to be bound up in conflict with this other person, regardless of whether it's a family member that I love, a friend that I cherish, or someone who happens to be cycling around in my sphere of influence. I want to be able to move forward. So you have to forgive within yourself first. Forget the other party. It's not about the other party. It's about breaking that chain. You don't want that binding pain. You want to be able to move to a better place. So you got to remember, forgiveness is a decision. It's not a feeling. There's no quantifiable way to say forgiveness is a feeling. It's not about forgetting. If it was all about forgetting, then uh, something would be wrong with our hardwiring in our head. And we, we don't want to do that. And we don't want to excuse the behavior. But if we anchor on it without forgiving, we do all those things. We make it a feeling, we bind it to ourselves, we certainly never excuse it, but if we forgive, we can break that chain and it can fade out of our memory rapidly and allow us to move to that better place. Time does not heal all wounds. Love is what heals all wounds. And you have to look inside yourself. Do I love this person enough to, to get beyond this? Is this really worth fighting about? Uh, one of the issues that are at the core of the conflict that's creating the problem and why can't you forgive? You should always overlook anything minor. You should check your own attitude and why are you binding yourself up into that conflict long before you worry about the other party? And once you resolve that within yourself by going through the steps of reconciliation, admit that there's a problem, act on it, pray for some type of uh, provincial guidance, Humble yourself, search within yourself, accept any responsibility you may have, ask for forgiveness. Even if you don't believe you did anything wrong, at least ask for forgiveness and be exposing yourself as being vulnerable. Make any amends that you think might be necessary and don't require the other person to make amends because that's not part of forgiveness. Build a new relationship immediately. Don't sleep on it. Don't wait because at the end of the day, the relationship and the love that you have for that person is far more important than any kind of conflict. You got to remember that uh, there are two ways to spread light in this world. You can either be a candle, a light for others, or you can be a mirror that reflects that. So it's very important that you make grace the ability to always put yourself he gave us our, his son, therefore we need to be the same and we need to give of ourselves before we worry about whether someone else can hurt us. That's what forgiveness is all about. Sir, that was powerful. That was powerful. Forgiveness starts from within. It's interpersonal. It is an imagination. It's an image. It's a reflection. It's a nation of images. Wow, love is the core of it.
Lord, love, well, the Lord too, but love is the core of forgiveness because love will lead you to peace, like you said, which will lead you to hope eventually and will give you faith, faith to feel safe with this person. Because let's face it, to be socially interactive with someone, you gotta feel fa uh, safe. You gotta feel safe with them, right? Uh, you know, you, you got to feel like that, you know, this person knows me well enough to be honest, right? And give me the truth. And because when this person, you know, gives you the truth, that truth should make you feel good about the relationship you have with that person. I mean, you feel at home with this person. You feel welcome with this person because they... At, at some point, they, they have established a relationship with you and you feel like you're being treated fairly. So if you did a wrong, you know, you owned up to it, you manned up to it, you're, you're man enough, you're a woman enough to accept it. And so because you accepted it, then you can either move forward or not. And so I, I think... I think that's key for having healthy relationships and determining what a healthy relationship should feel like or should look like. I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not an expert, I'm not an expert, but that's why we invited um, Jim Boulay and, and Rick Boulay on the panel discussion to talk more about this. But, you know, Buddy Thornton, that response was very remarkable, and we thank you for everything that you bring to this podcast, sir. It's my pleasure. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and with that being said, we have our next panelist here, and that is uh, Mr. and Mrs. Rick Bollet. Please say hello again to the people. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Well, please tell us a little bit about yourselves. Who wants to go first? Ladies first. <laughs> um, uh, my name is uh, Jen Belay. Uh I'm uh, a school counselor. Uh, I uh, graduated in uh, 1999, so in various uh, fashions. This is my 21st year as an educator. Uh, I have a Bachelor of Science in Music Education from Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Um, and uh, Master of Arts in Student Affairs and Higher Education, also from Indiana University of Pennsylvania, and um, followed up with a Master of Science in Education with a concentration in Counseling from Duquesne University. Um, so I have teaching and counseling experience in both Pennsylvania and Texas. Um, I'm currently serving as a school counselor in the Colleen Independent School District in Colleen, Texas. And uh, currently also completing the requirements for life, uh, licensure as a licensed professional counselor. So I'm currently also a licensed professional counselor intern or associate as uh, they just changed the name. And I am in my uh, 19th year as an educator. Uh, I also have a Bachelor of Science in Music Education from IUP or Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Hmm, I wonder how we met. Uh, I have a Master of Science in Educational Leadership and Administration from Duquesne University. Uh, I am currently working 
as a uh, music teacher in the Colleen Independent School District, also in Colleen, Texas. And I am also the president of Colleen Educators Association uh, and of Texas State Teachers Association Region 10, where I help advocate and help represent uh, over 3,700 educators in Central Texas. Wow, you heard it first. You heard it first here on the Impact of Education Leadership. Listen, I'm so proud of you both and what you're doing uh, in the community and in uh, in the state of Texas and in politics at large. Um, I mean, you guys are just, I mean, you've rolled your sleeves up, you got involved, you got you, you have got civically involved, you have affected not only your community in Bell County, but you have gone all the way to, you know, Washington, D.C., you've gone, you've traveled all throughout the countryside, you know, spreading uh, the good news about, you know, education and why it's so important to, to promote public education and so I, I applaud you both uh, in those great endeavors and I was asking the question to our first panelist uh, Buddy Thornton you know how do you forgive a family member how do you forgive a friend how do you forgive someone who repeatedly lets you down right and, and you know he kind of talked about forgiveness comes from within first right and from that you know that love is that source right that fuels that forgiveness right and and so with the love comes peace with that love comes hope and with that love comes faith but i believe that you also have to have understanding right and you need to understand how do you determine which behaviors are healthy which behaviors are unhealthy which behaviors behaviors are abusive Right, and so my, my question to you both, whoever wants to go first, please take your leisure, but how do you determine which behaviors are healthy, unhealthy, or abusive? That's my question. Well, first, uh, I, I absolutely adore the answer that Buddy gave. Um, it is so true and, and allows you to approach, you know, forgiveness from a, a healthy and holistic standpoint. And I think that's, that's a really important thing to do. Um, in terms of determining which behaviors are healthy, unhealthy, or abusive, uh, at the risk of sounding kind of simplistic, whether it's individual or group dynamics, it really kind of boils down to the impact that behavior is having and the level of stress and conflict that the behavior is causing. Uh, I personally like to use the idea of an emotional bank account. And bank accounts, as we all know, involve deposits and withdrawals. So in this case, I am equating a deposit into that emotional bank account as a healthy behavior and a withdrawal as an unhealthy behavior. So the higher the stress or the conflict level without that forgiveness that Buddy mentioned, the more it drains that emotional bank account. And when it gets to you know, zero or even becomes overdrawn, and that's when the negative impacts begin to compound upon themselves because you're not operating in a positive emotional and mental balance and you have things to overcome just to try to hit you know, the surface of the water. But the other thing to consider in this case is the length of time that that behavior involves. Um, we as humans often can and do, uh, for very good reasons, adopt behaviors in the short term that can cause a withdrawal 
from that emotional bank account, but it leads to a deposit or deposits down the road and an overall healthier long-term situation. We also, though, can cause ourselves long-term reductions in that overall bank balance because we choose behaviors that seem healthy in the short term and seem good and feel good, but they actually end up costing us more in the long run. Uh, the final component that I really haven't talked about yet is that of the abusive behavior. And to me, uh, abusive behaviors go beyond unhealthy behaviors and that they can cause permanent damage to that bank account uh, because those abusive behaviors obviously have no chance of really ever turning into deposits in the emotional bank account. And so they are long-term obstacles and barriers that need to be overcome in order to reach you know, a zero balance or, or even more appropriately a healthy balance in, in that account. So when determining what category behavior falls into, we, we first need to figure out the impact that it's having on us. And sometimes that's more difficult than we might think because as I mentioned before, you know, what seems like a good idea may turn out to not be such a good idea or likewise, what seems like a hardship could turn out to be uh, you know, a really good idea. Um, something you'd like to add? Um, <clears throat> one would think it's not difficult to figure out what's healthy, what's not healthy, and what's abusive, but uh, I think that would mean clear values, family ideals, open communication, and boundaries are all in place. It would also mean that all families and all people followed said boundaries, communication, and values. However, as we know, our country is a melting pot of various cultures, religions, um, different socioeconomics, and subcultures within families, and those invariably influence all of us regarding our own behavior and what we accept from others. Some people feel that they have to put up with everything uh, that comes their way to maintain their standing in the family or to maintain the standards of their religion, and as such, it, they ignore whether behaviors are toxic or not. And others have no issues whatsoever in laying out their standards and boundaries and not caring how others feel about them. Um, so determining healthy, unhealthy, and abusive behaviors uh, must take all of those factors into account. Um, including personal beliefs, support systems, upbringing, and resilience. And I think, um, you know, taking into account uh, the personal bank account, uh, in school counseling, uh, we talk about something called how full is your bucket. And so um, a similar principle, uh, when somebody, um, you know, has something good to say or helps you in some way or shows kindness, caring, respect, any of, any of those things, um, they're adding to your bucket. Um, and of course, you know, every, you know, negative comment, rude comment, disrespect, slight, um, anything like that takes from your bucket. And the idea is to be able to um, balance your bucket and, you know, Ideally, the fuller your bucket, the happy, happier you are. But sometimes people think that that's just the way that life goes, that they have to carry these things because that's the expectation. And I think a lot of times people don't, uh, when it really becomes unhealthy, um, and one could argue abusive uh, to oneself, is, uh, for example, staying in a job um, that is not a healthy situation. The expectation is that adults go to work, they provide for the family, 
they have health insurance, they do uh, those things, and so you stay no matter what. That's why it's called work. It's not meant to be fun. It's meant to be work. But by the same token, uh, when people are taken advantage of and it's not a healthy situation, um, there are some uh, organizations that have uh, toxic cultures and different things uh, going on in them. That starts to take uh, have an effect on a person's mental health and physical health. And sometimes those things can be uh, repaired and sometimes they can't. Sometimes they're more permanent. And so um, I think the idea is to be able to determine um, what's healthy and unhealthy before damage becomes permanent and fix it. Uh, but again, there's a, a lot of different factors at play that people forget to look at. So, and I would I would just add that to me, uh, using that bucket scenario, which I also adore, uh, to me, abusive behavior is uh, punching a hole in the bucket, so that the positive things that you normally would put into the bucket. Uh, will seep through that hole unless you work to repair it. So I, I think that's a, a fabulous uh, analogy as well. Wow, that too was, listen, this is going to another level. It's just going next level. Okay, how can I, how can I chew up and, and kind of regurgitate all of that? Okay, this is what I would say. What Jen and Rick just said to me was like a capsule. If you could put developmental support systems and the ingredients of developmental support systems into a capsule, that would be what would go into that capsule. And, and that would be the vitamins, right? That, that would be those vitamins to develop, especially for adolescents, especially for uh, family members, right? Um, peers. Yeah, I mean, you name it, you name it. And so I just love the way you are, you guys are taking this discussion to another level. This is going to be, oh my God, this is going to be epic. This is going to be epic. This is going to be epic. Listen, I want to thank uh, Eugene and Rick for what you have brought to, the value you have brought to this discussion and to this podcast. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. No, thank you. And with that being said, let's let's get to our next question. I, I want to pull again from uh, Buddy Thornton. Uh, you know, Buddy, a lot of people call you the positive social change agent pro, right? And so, you know, because you are uh, constantly hearing uh, situations, scenarios um, where you have to go in and kind of unwire um, chaos, pretty much. That's what it is, right? So let's just call it what it is. And so, you know, with that being said, what does it mean to you when someone is uh, constantly putting you down? Or, or what do you train, how do you train your, your, your clients to uh, manage, you know, their employers or peers, colleagues, you name it, that constantly put them down, you know, what are some strategies that you give them uh, to, to help them navigate or remain resilient uh, when they encounter experiences like that? That's my question. Well, uh, 
likewise to Rick's comment about my previous comment. Uh, I really uh, enjoyed how they characterized what behaviors are healthy, unhealthy, or abusive. Uh, it is true that there's a very thin line between perspectives about healthy, unhealthy, or abusive, and being put down constantly by someone is definitely uh, a compendium of both unhealthy and abusive behavior. And it actually puts uh, the forgiveness that we talked about earlier into uh, perspective. What happens when someone is really possibly putting it down, what you have to do is you have to really put yourself in their shoes and try to understand why they're doing what they're doing. Now, unless there's a specific agenda similar to what we saw during the uh, divisive political campaigns of 2020, uh, you know, if there's no specific agenda, but someone just constantly is putting you down, you really need to understand that the behavior is not within you. The behavior is within them. I, lo I love the quote, you can't bring out the best in others when you're looking down your nose. So if someone is putting you down, the first thing you cannot do is go up the ladder with them and start elevating the conflict. You must stay at the bottom of the ladder and you need to bring them back down the ladder to you. And the best way to do that is to understand that usually the put down is uh, coming from someone who's struggling with low self-esteem. Uh, they don't believe they can elevate themselves to your level so they can only get pleasure or satisfaction by bringing you down to their level. And they just don't see an effective path to getting to your level. Uh, you have to exit that equation in your mind. You have to understand <clears throat> when you when you feel like you're being stepped on. It's exactly the opposite of you. Don't, do you want to reach out? And you want to help them? Do you want to reach out and do you want to accept them and accept the behavior? Ignore the behavior? No, I don't believe you should. Uh, there's a uh, there's a proverb that says if you're helping someone and expecting something in return, you're doing business, not kindness. So when you actually respond and you expect them to change their behavior, you're doing business. You're not doing kindness. What you need to do is you need to understand that, okay, I can't change them, but I can change me. You must value yourself more than you value the opinions of others. The opinions of others at the end of the day are not going to be where you put your head on a pillow. You can't rely on someone else for your happiness, your self-worth, your self-actualization, your ability to see yourself in a positive light. You have to be responsible for that. You have to invest in yourself because certainly nobody else will, especially someone who's putting you down. They don't see that you have value. So you just cling to the value that you find within yourself. I use a uh, dynamic uh, to teach parents about how to uh, show their children what's important in the world, and it always starts within the self. And this cuts across all boundaries. It isn't just a parenting dynamic. It's a school dynamic. It's a work dynamic. It's a social dynamic. People need to look within themselves. They need to understand my life is my life. I'm the one who's in control of my life. Just because somebody else sees me in a different light, unless I have some reason to doubt myself, I cannot cling to that. So I need to move on. I need to forgive both their action and my thoughts of doubt about myself. My voice is my voice. If something bothers me that bad, 
but I know I can't control the other person because that's what choice dynamics tells us. I need to internalize my voice. I need to send my voice into my own head and say, this is not you. No matter what they say, this is not you. This is, you are better, you are different, you are not going to be put yourself in that position. My dreams are my dreams. You have to be able to say, look, no matter what they say, no matter how much they put me down, unless what they're saying is true, which I've already set aside, then I have to realize that they're not going to do anything to help me. I'm not going to allow them to do anything to harm me. My dreams are my dreams. Which leads us to the final piece of the puzzle. And this is the foundational piece of the puzzle. My choices are my choices. They aren't anybody else's choices. Nobody should be able to put expectations on me. No one should be able to put pressure on me. No one should be able to put me into a corner. When they try to paint me into a corner, if it's not me, and unless I allow myself to be put in that corner, I have to stand for what I believe in, and I can't allow them to drag me down. So when, when they're putting me down, it means that they have an issue. Unless I introspectively look inside myself and I see that what they're saying is true, in which case I have to work on my own behavior or my own belief systems, my own worldview, then what the best thing I can do is set it aside and realize that just because they have an issue with low self-esteem, they see themselves in a negative light. I'm not going to allow them to put me in that same light. It's, uh, it's as simple as that. You know, what you discussed tonight was breaking the cycle. You talked about intervention strategies for um, diverse social factors. And how, when they use these strategies, they can achieve responsibility and, and having their own voice. I think you called it my, my, my choice, my voice, or my voice, my choice. But, you know, that's a strategy. Uh, that, that's a strategy uh, to manage, I believe, uh, the internal voices that go on in everyone's head, right? Um, you know, when you wake up, when you go to bed, it, it comes with, I think it comes with, I know it comes with every person. I mean, it's a part of life. I mean, just, and, and the biggest enemy, I mean, you've heard it before, is the enemy, right? And so, <clears throat> uh, thank you for those strategies uh, that, that you gave us tonight. And, um, you know, with that being said, uh, because, because you, you, you bring value uh, buddy, and you also uh, give us personal growth, I believe, to help us go to the next level and achieve the next step. And so I I'm so thrilled that we have, I'm, I'm so thrilled, I'm really, really thrilled that we have uh, Jen and Rick uh, together on this uh, podcast tonight. And I just cannot wait to hear uh, what they're about to say with this next question that I'm about to ask them. You know, we're, we're, we're talking about go-to strategies here. And, you know, Jen, with your background in counseling and, and Rick, with your background in doing live music, I mean, come on, you, you gotta be, <laughs> you gotta be a counselor to do live music. Come on, let's face it, right? Um, <laughs> but, you know, with that being said. You're not wrong. 
<laughs> well, with that being said, how do you manage? How do you guys manage? And how do you resolve these conflicts that we've been discussing this evening? Who wants to go first? Honey, why don't you start this one off? Okay. <laughs> um, well, you know, I think tying into what Buddy said, um, when when someone belittles another person, another individual, um, it almost invariably reflects on that person and their experiences. Um, I think undermining another person is often and likely usually a, a large show of their own insecurity. Uh, strong people don't need to trample others to see over the fence because they're already there. Uh, emotionally stunted people, on the other hand, may feel the need to step on others to achieve their goal of looking over the fence. and. I think at best it reflects the inability to communicate effectively if there is an issue, and at worst, uh, it reflects a personal character that is lacking in kindness, consideration, and respect. Someone in the face of belittling attacks should remember that those with strong char character don't attack, they lift up. And, um, you know, if we think about animals, uh, the small dog bites because it's scared, and the large dog rescues humans from drowning. Yeah. I think people are really no different. Um, it's just a matter of where one's at and if they're feeling strong or they're feeling weak. Um, there's a, a saying that I, I tell my kids about, um, hurt people hurt people. So when people are hurt inside, they hurt other people. Um, and it's, it's the same idea as bullying. Uh, bullies put other people down trying to bring themselves up and feel better. And uh, what the people being bullied often don't realize because they're hurting is that the bully's really hurting too. Um, they're trying to feel better and ultimately that wound within themselves is causing them to behave that way in the first place. And um, actually our character trait of the month for December is caring. And one of the things that we talked about today is um, when you care about other people, uh, you're lifting you're lifting them up and you're helping them out. So, I think it's just important to remember that um, when those attacks, are, when somebody's dealing with attacks and they're being belittled, that they need to remember that it's really not about them; it's about that other person. Y'all can see why I married her, right? Uh, <laughs> He's amazing. Uh, I'm about to let my inner geek flag fly. Uh, to me, managing and resolving conflict uh, involves communication, communication, and communication. Um, I am a huge Star Trek fan. Uh, as soon as we're done here tonight, I'm going to be putting on the next episode of Star Trek Discovery because, like I said, I am a geek and I love it. And the reason I bring this up, uh, besides bragging on my Trek street cred, is that last week's episode involved an event called a Tekalinket, and it was described as an ancient Vulcan ceremony where a request from a person was rigorously questioned to determine its logical validity. But unfortunately, over time, the ceremony had also frequently evolved into a scenario where a person's capability and abilities were often called into question as a way to undermine the validity of the request and of the person who is making it. 
And this is important to remember because when it comes down to it, when you're putting someone down, especially during a time of conflict, you are, it's participating in an exercise in reducing someone's credibility or self-worth. And it's ultimately, as Jen and Buddy both mentioned, it's an attempt at an exchange or a shift of power. The aggressor is seeking to minimize their opponent in order for their side or their thoughts or their wants to carry the day. The defender is seeking to avoid that outcome. And a lot of times you will see frequent flips back and forth between aggressor and defender roles as each person reacts to the other. I mean, if it were that sterile of an environment that it's just, you know, aggressor and defender, uh, in spite of that, conflicts would likely be easier to handle because they would almost be purely, purely logical based, as it were. The fly in the proverbial ointment here is the inclusion of emotional content that comes with this action of a put-down and a conflict. Because the emotions that are used in conflict uh, are, involve fear and anger, which are the two strongest emotions that we as humans feel. And they're the strongest because they're the ones that are aimed at the parts of our brain that are still wired for those reactive situations. Uh, that being our brainstem, our cerebellum, and our limbic system. Um, when those parts of our brain are triggered, it's more difficult to think and maintain the calm that's needed to resolve that conflict because we're fighting our own brains that are reacting. There's a reason why they call uh, the, the fight or flight part of our brain the lizard brain because it harkens back to that most base of emotional reactions. So when you're thinking more and you're doing more reacting than you are thinking, it's harder to resolve because you were in that moment. And it makes it worse and compounds the problem because it also tends to shut the door on any productive conversation. Because at that point, because they're reacting, that person or persons tend to be more focused on having their point heard over anything else. So I think when these situations occur, and we haven't been able to achieve yet the forgiveness and the grace that Buddy spoke of, and being able to understand where the other person is at that Jen spoke of, it becomes very important for us to recognize when we are feeling that way ourselves, those physiological clues that say, oh, we're not in a good place right now, we're reacting and not thinking. And to allow ourselves to go to the reaction of stepping back from that emotional brink and allowing those strong feelings that are triggering our reactive brain parts to settle down and therefore helping to restore that emotional equilibrium. The best way I can think of to avoid this issue, if you can avoid it altogether, is to keep everybody involved in a state of inquiry and dialogue. Above anything else, people want to feel validated. They want to feel like their feelings and their thoughts are being listened to and valued. And if that emotional situation arises, I think it's important for the person that's being attacked, as Jen had mentioned, and Buddy had mentioned, to realize that that other person is in a reactive state and not in a thinking state. So they're going to be reacting more than they are thinking. And they need help and assistance and grace to get back to that state of inquiry and dialogue. So facilitating and maintaining that communication is a vital part, both in preventing the escalation that leads to those put-downs and the conflicts, and also in terms of restoring that dialogue that will eventually resolve the conflict. Wow. Absolutely amazing. You know, I'm not going to even try to synthesize that. <laughs> 
So <laughs> what I will do, I'll, I'll say this, you know, right? The abbreviation of fear is false evidence appearing real. I just want to encourage the listeners. Uh, this is another excerpt out of the book, <laughs> The Ten Scrolls, the Greatest Salesman by Ogden Dingo. And it's, I will greet this day with love in my heart. I will greet this day with love in my heart. For this is the greatest secret of success in all ventures. Muscle can split a shield and even destroy life, but only the unseen power of love can open the hearts of men. And until I master this art, I will remain no more than a peddler in the marketplace. I will make love my greatest weapon and none of whom I call can defend against its force. My reasoning they may counter, my speech they may distrust, my apparel they may disapprove, my face they may reject, and even my bargains may cause them suspicion. Yet my love will melt all hearts likened to the sun whose rays soften the coldest clay. What are the takeaways tonight? I'm just so thrilled. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Well, I'm going to let my professional mediator come through because I really, really enjoyed what uh, the Boulets brought to the table. The foundation of all mediation is the removal of asymmetric power. <clears throat> you can dance around all the different processes. You can talk about counseling. You can talk about interventions. You can talk about anything else. But if there's asymmetric power in the room, <clears throat> the conflict will endure. There's no way to remove conflict if one party feels lesser than the other. And sometimes it's a matter of understanding the difference between rights and interests. The more, more powerful person in the room always will lean on their rights, that they, they don't believe they can be challenged. But what they're forgetting is that to move forward in anything in life, you need relationships. Relationships empower humanity. Without relationships, none of us can move forward. And you cannot have an effective relationship when there is an asymmetric power dynamic in play. So every process that we do to remove conflict is to reduce that asymmetric power and move the two or more people into a position where their common interests mean more than their individual rights. And that's how we always face and process and move through and succeed at mediation. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, all of this, I guess I would sum it up this way and say that uh, to take a page out of my husband's book and following Star Trek, the Vulcans um, tend to suppress their emotions which isn't always a good thing, but in a time of conflict, that's really what needs to happen um, so that people are um, listening to hear and not listening to respond. So um, I guess in light of that, um, I would just end with live long and prosper. <laughs> so I really liked what you said, Isaiah, about the false evidence appearing real. I would also add its counterpart, 
which is face everything and rise. A large part of our ability to be able to do that involves our ability to maintain our awareness of everything that is going on and everything that is around us. Uh, I will keep the Star Trek train going and I will state that one of the tenets of the Vulcan race that is stated is something that's called IDIC, which is infinite diversity in infinite combination. When we're in conflict, we reduce that diversity because things become falsely simple. Hence, your phrase about false evidence appearing real. But if we maintain our awareness and we maintain the value of the diversity of the differing opinions, the diversity of the people that are around us, that infinite diversity in infinite combinations, then we possess the ability to keep our emotional equilibrium and our awareness and we gain the ability to not only resolve the conflict but reach common understandings and even improve our outlooks and our perspectives on the world and I think that is a, a worthy goal for us to pursue. Listen, you have heard it first tonight. This was another impactful night of Impact Education Leadership. This is episode 64. I'm your host, ID3 for Isaiah Jordan III. Tonight, panelists were the lovely Jen Bolay, Rick Bolay, and Buddy Jordan. Good night. Welcome to the Impact of Educational Leadership Podcast with ID3 for Isaiah Drone III. This show was designed to provide an exclusive forum on educational achievement gaps related to learner success while discovering relationships and family issues in a diverse setting.